Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Come on inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg reminding you to subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room wherever you get your podcasts from. We all know everything that's been going on with the college football season being up in the air. Conferences already announcing that they're just going to a conference-only schedule. And that's going to affect teams in different ways, Chris. I mean, we could look at Ohio State and the Big Ten playing within their conference and just looking at the potential for an eight wins and, okay, there you go. But how is it going to be fair judging when it comes to rankings when you're looking at teams that maybe are playing a conference-only schedule when other teams have maybe out-of-conference games to judge by? It's not It's not going to be fair. You know, some may argue that it's not fair. Anyway, it's going to be less so this year. So you're not going to have the interconference game. So you take away a USC-Alabama. Well, everyone will just make the assumption, of course, Alabama is better than USC. But what is it? how does that game look? How things um, – how does that – kind of shape the, the the flow of the entire leagues, just like maybe Auburn, Oregon did last year. Not going to have that. Um, and, and we're not going to have some of the other games that I think are going to be, um, you, you know, normally utilized to try to, to, to determine strength of teams and strength of conferences. College football, as you know, is so spread out, so big that it's very difficult to get that get a handle around it. And I know you'll hear the Bill Hancocks of the world. You say, oh, oh Bill, look, no, it's just, it's not going to be the same. It's it's going to be different. And you're not going to have teams playing the same amount of games. And you're not going to see the out-of-conference games, as many of them anyway, as you normally do. So it's going to be very difficult, not going to be really fair. A lot of speculation that, and there's no movement towards this. I'm just going to say this, guy, but this would be an ideal year to say, you know what? We got to relax some of the rules. Mm-hmm. We've got to change certain things. Uh, why not? Let's just add more teams because if we get through this season with less games, then one way to make a way around it is to play maybe a larger playoff scenario. Uh, there's no movement towards that other than just a lot of people would like to see it, but that's something that has come up. You know, what's interesting though, talking with coaches that's that's the the ncaa has allowed them the on the field um assistance or the the excuse me not the on the field guys but the analysts that can't be on field are going to be allowed to take a step up and be an on-field assistant if you have circumstances such as an assistant coach goes down so your your line coach gets uh, covid 19. Well, now an analyst can come in and take his spot. So uh, they're going to make some adjustments this year in these unusual circumstances. Why not maybe 
look at it at, at, at potentially opening it up to more teams since we're going to have a hard time, as you said, creating uh, even the amount of fairness that we normally have. Separating the teams is going to be more difficult. And it's it's coming into question now about the schedule. You know, kickoff games are in jeopardy. We're probably not going to have those, you know, Atlanta kickoff games or Dallas kickoff games that we usually do with the two, you know, big matchups. Schools are having to adjust here on the fly. Programs are having to adjust here on the fly. And it's going to come down to each individual state, ultimately, and each individual program to figure out how they're going to go about this. I know that Governor Murphy in New Jersey just announced that there's going to be no fans in attendance for any event in New Jersey. So the Jets and Giants, we can talk about that when we get to the pro side, are not going to have fans, but it also comes into play for Rutgers. They're not going to have any fans as well. Uh, if other states fall in line with that, then there's going to be college football in other states without fans in attendance. I know some states have you know 25% capacity or whatnot, but there's a major loss of income here for a lot of these college football programs that they're going to find a hard time trying to replace this money, Chris. You're losing the non-conference games. You're losing the money from the uh, the TV deals for these big uh, kickoff games. And now you're losing the fans in attendance. It's, 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 it's crippling. I, I don't find, there's no other way to say it. It's crippling to the sport. It will be, and it's going to be crippling to athletic departments. Uh, the non-revenue sports are going to suffer. A lot of people are going to suffer. I think one of the things that's interesting is to see how we can monitor what the states are doing and maybe get a feel for where this might lead to college athletic situations. For example, state of California, high school, not gonna participate in the fall. They're gonna have their fall sports play in the spring. Uh, Georgia, Florida announced in the last two days, actually Florida was today, uh, Tuesday, they announced that going to be delayed but they're going to at least for now going to go as scheduled georgia the same thing um what does that mean for it, it does not mean that the college sports are going to do that but i think it's an indicator of where they are as a state um and that's certainly has a direct cor- uh, correlation to the college programs for the on the playing ability but obviously from the recruiting aspect too but I think it's, and you talk about having a devastating effect on, on high school program. They can't do all the testing that they do. Um, it's it's going to cost um, millions of dollars, multi-millions of dollars, which, as you mentioned, you're losing a lot of money. It, throw onto this a huge, huge cost that no one anticipated. No one budgeted for testing. Lots of Good money. Point. Uh, NBA. What is it, 115 million to keep it in the bubble? NFL, $75 million for testing. Um, colleges can't afford that. Certainly not in these times. Um, gonna be very difficult. And and to do it safely is it's gonna be quite quite a hurdle that they're gonna have to overcome. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I know that Texas is trying to get 50% capacity for their games. I mentioned New Jersey is gonna have zero. Uh, other states will fall into. Uh, uh, Governor Cuomo said nothing in New York. So you know, Syracuse and the Carrier Dome, it's gonna be empty and it's gonna be pretty hollow there. And uh, other uh, schools in uh, in New York as well will have no fans at uh, college sporting events. Did you see? 
uh, we talked about North Carolina a lot on this podcast just because I'm so big on that team this year. But did you see that they're using these face shields and and social distancing sticks to keep everyone away from each other during practice and to try to be as, as, as safe as they can? Yeah, they, so, you know, for folks that don't know, is they're going to have the shields that Scott's talking about, and they're going to have six-foot sticks, which I'm guessing they're going to use as a way to always kind of be able to make mm-hmm, sure that mm-hmm. they're six feet apart. Uh, so they'll be kind of walking like in, in the old ancient times where you walk with those big canes, <laughs> you know, the king's kind of walking onto the practice field. Literally, that's what they're going to do. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see everyone's going to adopt certain ways. Yeah. Mass in the facilities is going to be big. You know, you're dealing with the coaches. I just said, you, you got to be prepared now, Scott, that what happens when your linebacker coach test positive? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have that plan. So now we're better prepared than ever with all the analysts and the extra support staff. Um, but it's still going to be a challenge is it, it, to try to keep everybody health, uh, healthy and to try to deal with it when things come up. Look, I, I we don't know. Let's just hope they're games. But anybody that has any delusions of grandeur that it's going to be normal, you can forget that. It oh, is going to yeah. be anything but normal. Um, not going to be without fans. I have no idea. And I understand you could maybe wish things be true. But Chris Del Conte expecting 50,000 fans anywhere this year seems like a delusional you know, maybe it's just, I think sometimes it's very disingenuous, Scott. I cannot believe that they believe that. I think they're just trying to play to their base of, you know, we still want your money. We mm-hmm. still, you know, you know, with the, oh, yeah, we're going to have 50,000 sending your money. I, I don't think there's, I don't think that's realistic at all. I think certain NFL teams have looked at it. You mentioned that's going to be interesting too is, all right, so, in New York, there's we in New Jersey. We know they're not going to be fans. We know uh, Philadelphia, the Eagles are not going to have fans on the NFL side. Well, you know, maybe in some places you can have fourteen twenty. Uh, it's it's going to be people. Well, that's not fair. There's nothing going to be fair. There's nothing going to be normal. So you're right, Syracuse, you, you, Army, you know, everyone in New York, Rutgers in New Jersey, Temple, they're not going to be playing in front of fans. Other places, they might play in front of 20,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know. We don't know what the circumstances are going to be, but I wouldn't count on it. It's it's just we're going to have to be content with watching any game that we can. And uh, I, I am hearing a couple of things that, you know, everybody keeps asking, when are we going to win? And I keep saying it's soon. I mean, we've, we're now to the point where time is running out. Kind of the magic day, if, if right around the time, is going to be July 31st for the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, they're kind of looking at things. I mentioned this last week about the possibility of if they can play to supplement maybe any games lost out of conference with games against one another. So first of all, let's see if we can save, if you're Georgia and Georgia Tech, save that game, Florida, Florida State, Clemson, South Carolina. But then maybe try to maybe pick up an extra game or two um, you know, uh, Alabama's trying to get a deal done with BYU. Why? Uh, BYU's looking for games right mm-hmm, now. So mm-hmm. it makes some sense to do that uh, in a one-year scenario this year. Putting that together can be challenging, but you can still do it. 
Um, and, uh, you know, because everyone's going to want to play as many of those games as possible, particularly with the shortage of practice. And it's going to be difficult to get, get teams ready, particularly if we have to pull guys off. I think I've said it. You know, once we get guys on the practice field, we're going to have to figure out a way to go forward and deal with this because there's going to be positive tests. Now, you got to take those guys out, but you've got to be able to figure out a way. We can't have a situation, Scott, where we get on the field and say, no, nah, this is this is worse than we thought and pull it off. Uh -huh. I mean, that's just that's the worst scenario that we could ever have. But I think everyone's doing everything they can because they're desperate desperate for the reasons that you mentioned the financial impact is mm -hmm. so significant is this and this is kind of a subject that you and i have talked about before in terms of leadership in college football and the lack of a central leadership right there is no college football commissioner that can make a unilateral decision in a situation like this with so much uncertainty surrounding each individual program and each individual conference doesn't it make sense now more than ever to have some sort of centralized leadership rather than have each individual conference make their own determinations here? Because each conference, even though they're independent of each other, they go hand in hand, Chris. They impact each other. We're talking about rankings. We're talking about the college football playoff. We're talking about comparing teams to each other when they're playing inadequate, inadequate schedules, right? There has to be a way, and I know people have – really gone after Mark Emmert, and they've gone after uh, a lot of people uh, in recent weeks. Now more than ever, I feel like we need some sort of centralized college football leadership. Yeah, you know, people confuse that Mark Emmert is virtually powerless on the day-to-day -day running of college football. I mean, in fact, there is less involvement that he has in major college football than any of the other sports, at least you know, the NCAA runs the the uh, NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness. Mm -hmm. They run every other college World Series and all of that. They don't run college football playoffs. That's a complete separate entity. They do a Division One AA, Division Two, Division Three, so on and so forth. He doesn't have the power. Um, to answer your question, of course, it would be a tremendous asset, I think, to have a unified person that could, if nothing else, speak for the five and, and could get them all together. So yep. we don't have a situation where one's doing something for their benefit. I mean, because they do need one another. I mean, you know, everyone has said, well, they don't care. I says, you know, they, uh, they say she's going to do it. Well, they, to a point, but when you lose your opponents because another conference is not going to play, well, then that, it's, it messes you up. Of mm -hmm. course it has an effect. So the problem with is, and the reason why we've not gotten to that point is the conference commissioners do not want to give up the power that their role has. So I think it has to be kind of one of their own, but, you know, someone that maybe kind of can maybe have an overriding effect that if nothing else has the political might to get a bunch of egos together and say, look, uh, you're dealing with different circumstances and you're dealing with different circumstances. I don't like to try to make the college game like the pro game, but there are certain things that one side does better than the other. And at least in the NFL, you're dealing with geographical distances. You've got 
you know, flyover states and you got California, New York, you know, Florida, Texas, but you got to do what's best for the entire league, the, the greater good of everyone. And we don't have that in college football. And it is more complex because we do have five power five leagues. And in the case of the Big Ten, they think that they're most important and we're going to take the lead and we're going to announce it first because, you know, we're going to show that we're the, 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 the best and the leaders. So in pardon the pun, uh, the leaders and best. Um, the SEC thinks that, well, we're the most successful. You know, it's time to put egos aside and say, what can we do for the good of college football? No one yeah. does that. You're right. It's about, hey, you know, all yourself. And that's just not, that's not the best way to go about it. If we're looking at individual teams, is there one that stands out that benefits the most from only playing a conference schedule? I mean, I look at Ohio State, they're going to win eight games, right? I look at, um, you know, maybe maybe a team like us you know if the pac-12 is only going to do conference right, guess that's what it. That's, a, that's, that's, it. I mean, how, how that's a that's a that's that's you're not losing you're not losing alabama now yeah let's, let's take alabama off the schedule let's just as i as i make sure that i look you got new mexico at stanford arizona state uh you know not going to play new mexico so look i mean obviously in a make or break year a, for clay helton he gets to avoid alabama and notre dame Okay. Well, I mean, but you know, I mean, the Notre Dame game. I mean, yeah. You, it's only conference only. You're right. You eliminate those two teams. Mm -hmm. So if you take care of business in the league, you know, who knows? Uh, you can, if nothing else, maybe it's a type of year where you can win enough games, and in the current environment where, because the recruiting is going very well, by the way, and that's yeah. a big important factor. Um. You know, coaches may get a pass this year. One, because buying out coaches are not going to be real popular in this economic environment. But also, well, you know, things are not normal. We're not going to evaluate the guy and cut cords with them based upon, yeah. you know, this being the year. So if Clay can have success in the league, that's the first team that comes to mind because you know that they're starting off 0-1 against Alabama and maybe yep. in embarrassing fashion. That's not that's not a very good look, not a very good start, and what could could lead to a bad year. At least that part, you got a little bit more time to get ready uh, for the conference schedule. We talk about Notre Dame; uh, they mostly play an ACC schedule as it is, where they have five games in the ACC. Um, if they are hindered, which they are by you know taking away Big Ten games and Pac-12 games and whatnot. If they have to adjust their schedule, can they, will they add ACC games? Is that how they'll they'll compensate? They will, uh, depending on what the ACC is able to get done. They haven't obviously decided they're going to play conference only. So mm -hmm. if there's some availability on their schedules, yes. I think what you're going to see is maybe a couple of teams, ACC teams that are not on Notre Dame's schedule currently because you've got to find a replacement for yeah. – what Stanford, USC? I mean, you got you got got a few of those. So um, that's where I think that uh, they're headed. Uh, there was some talk about Notre Dame and Alabama. That's on the schedule down the road, but nothing nothing really uh, mm -hmm. got off the table for this year. But yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think they'll do it. I think who wouldn't want to add Notre Dame to their schedule? Now, here's the other thing: people have asked me this question. Well, now's the time that the ACC is going to put the screws to Notre Dame and say, mm. all right, we're going to help full you. membership. Now, you gotta, Let's you go. Become a full member. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I don't think the ACC is going to do that because I think they realize 
they're very fortunate to have Notre Dame in the position that they're in. Mm -hmm. I know people don't like to hear this, but the only thing that's going to stop Notre Dame from being an independent and going to be a, a member of a conference, which I assume it would be the ACC, is the first thing and the most important thing is NBC or any other network would have to say, not interested Correct. in having your package. Because as long as they can get that package and keep all the money of their mm -hmm. own, why would they do it? Uh, and I don't see people say, well, we're going to go to these four mega conferences. And then you got to win your conference to be in the flat. Then Notre Dame's got to get in. I don't know. Uh, well, certainly they want to be in, but I think they would have a seat at the table. And I think there would be, uh, uh, I don't think we'd ever see it to where we make, make it where you'd have to win all your conference. I think we're going to eventually expand anyway, yeah. which is going to create an at large, which, so I, I don't see that scenario. I think it's wishful thinking. Um, you know, the long history of Notre Dame in a conference, I tell people all the time studying the, the history. They don't know that Notre Dame way back, Scott wanted to go into the big 10 and it was Michigan and, and fielding yells that blocked them. They blocked them out. This was way, way back. I mean, if you know, pre, you know, rock New years. And that's when Notre Dame decided, well, we're going to have to do something unique. And that's when they, we're going to go and we're going to get on a train and we're going to start playing teams. And they did get on the train, Scott, they'd stop, they'd play and get here, they'd go all the way to the West coast. And that's how they became kind of a national brand. Well, mm. you know, now it's, it's, that's, that's kind of the big hang up. Now, with that said, I've always felt like that the natural fit for Notre Dame was the Big Ten. Um, and I think it's probably time that Notre Dame needs to look at it, but look at it only if it's beneficial. People say, oh, they should get in the league. Again, Scott, the, if you're looking at it pure economics, why would they give up that money that's gonna go to them and share in the pie with someone else they don't have to correct when they have to do it that's when they're going to want to be in the league and somebody's going to want them because they're going to elevate name brand wise to any team any league in the, in the country that's a hundred percent correct uh before we um transition to talk pro football there is one other thing that is on every college football fan's mind and that is, how is Trevor Lawrence going to play with the distraction now that he's engaged and he's going to have to prepare for a wedding now, Chris? I don't know. This kid, he's got the world in front of him and he decides to propose on the football field? Come on, Trevor. What are you doing, kid? And, and uh, trying to get a wedding done, uh, I've got a neighbor <laughs> that is, was scheduled to get married in May and I was texting him the other day. He actually work some air conditioning units and, and uh, he said that they they had to pay, postpone the, the wedding in May to yep. August. Now it's still not any better. He says we're going through with it anyway. And then a lot of people have been so he's got the distraction of that. I think he'll do fine. It's been a, been a pretty good year for him and it's going to be a good uh, good next uh, year even though if he doesn't play he's going to be a very rich man. So. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Before we get out of here, what can fans find on LandryFootball.com in terms of the college football game? Well, you know, obviously each and every day at Landry Football, we've got our notebooks with all sorts of information. Anything that's going on right now, it's a lot of recruiting stuff. We throw in a lot of film room nuggets. 
each and every day. You know, guys that based upon um, the, the film and the notes I have on guys from last year who may be breakout guys. So who's the defensive end that may stand up at Penn State uh, that was behind uh, Gross Matos last year? You know, things like that. How mm-hmm. We've got that figured out for it. Who may be a little bit of a surprise guy in Clemson secondary that you know, we, we got drop all those things. But we're really excited. We are just just cranking them out. Our film room uh, roster analysis for each program. So we've got all the SEC done. We're working our way through the ACC, just rolling one by one. What do you get there? You get about 5,000 words of breakdown of the team, of the program, where they have been, where they are. Uh, who are the best players on both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively. How did the players on the roster currently grade coming out of high school? So how many of the five stars, four stars, and how those guys graded out? Who are the best pro prospects, at least, that are on the list for the class of 2021 and 2022 draft? Uh, mm-hmm. The coaching staff, everything, we've got it covered for you. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. And uh, for less than $5 a month, you can get uh, behind the, uh, the the peek behind the curtain, uh, the film room analysis of all the college programs, the NFL as well, notebooks, draft boards, recruiting boards. We got it all for you. One-stop shopping football at Landry Football. Oh, absolutely. It is a no-brainer. This is the College Football Film Room Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts from. So subscribe, rate, and review to us uh, on your mobile device or on your computer. And be sure to follow us on social media at Landry Football and at Scott on Air. And we'll be back each and every week, Chris. This is what we do. And look forward to it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.